Oh my lanta, oh my lord. Come on, friends, it's all aboard. It's the podcast show, and we're gonna go long. So, everyone, sing along. Sing along to the entire podcast. That's how you're gonna make the time last. Yep, you're gonna stretch it out even longer. Don't sing along when I do it, do it after. Try to memorize the entire show. Then when I leave, then you'll know all of the words, and you'll do it perfect. Oh, yeah. Lemony Snicket. What's up, guys? Another perfect rap intro. And we're back at doing the show. And you may notice a certain lack of keyboards that's happening. In fact, if you listen close enough, there's actually no keyboards happening at all. And you may be, you may be used to me. Ring, ting, ting, ting. Ring, ting, ting, and away on the old keys boards. And the thing is, is that it's unplugged and it's across the room. So instead, thought I'd give it the old try with uh, just talking like I used to do. Um, it's funny. I feel like the, the pauses hit a little different. When I have a keyboard, I feel like I can take a pause and it kind of slows me down a little bit. Um, and when I'm doing just talking, I'm you know, everyone knows what I'm talking about. And it's very clear and my show's clear and I talk very good. And everyone knows what I'm saying always. So uh, before I ruin this good episode, <laughs> I will uh, start, start to introduce the, the, the show. Um, welcome to Happy Sad Talk Thing. Hardcore chit chat. That's right. You heard me. And uh, we're talking thoughts. We're talking feelings with uh, anyone and everyone that I find uh, cool and interesting. Not everyone. That would be impossible. But just uh, people from my life that I enjoy. Uh, things they make. Things they do. And um, we got a very rad creative person that I have met recently. A new friend. Huh? That you can do that? You can make new friend in adult life? Yeah! Um, and I've talked many times on this podcast about my uh, time that I spent in Galway, Ireland. And uh, on the show today, we have Wim! Which is the artist moniker for someone named Sarah. Who, and I'm realizing I don't know Sarah's last name. And I'm just going to put them on this as Wim. Sarah Demusio is their full name. But Sarah's super cool, and they write music journalism, they write articles about composers, they interview composers, uh, great singer-songwriter uh, music as well that you should absolutely go check out, um, and is overall an extremely creative person that's making things, is curious, kind of uh, reminded me that, oh yeah, I, making stuff is, is, is the, the main goal um, of my life and times. And uh, we, we get into our, our time spent in Galway at different times. We met some of the same people. Uh, and just a, a cool, kismic connection that the cards of my life have revealed to me in my new friend, Sarah. And uh, yeah, a really cool, kind insightful person that puts uh puts thoughts and feelings that i have had lurking into words that 
I can't do as good as. And this is proof of that. And Sarah do good talking and I'm doing this the whole time. So I gotta go. And I love you all and enjoy this conversation with Wim. Um, I hope you're all doing well. And yeah, I, uh, yeah, make shit, make shit. Yeah. Happy sad talking. Happy sad talking. Happy sad talking. Happy sad talking. I don't know anything. I'm just happy and sad and stuff. Anything? I'll probably move around. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, how's your basic? How's your? Uh, yeah, the same. This is yeah. I don't know. As long as it's close enough. Is that you know? cool? This is the professional tools. <laughs> That's what it looks like nowadays. This is what it looks like. So far, it has it looks, come so far. It looks so much more like Logic now. <laughs> That's what that was like. The last big aesthetic update of Pro Tools was well, I'm like. Glad. Because honestly, yeah. I'm a Logic fan purely aesthetically. A hundred percent, and now it's like twenty percent less gray. <laughs> Now, did you pick those colors for the tracks? For the they, tracks? They come pre-assigned. Hmm. I think I picked these ones. Folks, for the podcast audience, we are staring <laughs> at my digital audio workstation, known as a DAW, pro professional tools, known as Pro Tools, and just looking at... I love talking about DAWs. Me too. I think it's so great because they're so dumb. I love complaining about Pro Tools, but also I will defend Pro Tools. Although I think Avid as a company is bad. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Just because they like their customer support is like really bad. And you have to like pay a hundred bucks to like get customer support. So it's hilarious that you say that because my last yeah. tech support job for a yeah. very big tech audio company. Yeah. Um, the head of my department, the customer service department was yeah. from Avid. And a, and a lot of the team members came from Avid. So really? it's funny that you mentioned that. Do, do I just shit on a bunch of your old coworkers? <laughs> Yes, but I think you might be deserved in a little, a little, a few I, days. I, it, <laughs> I apologize. I more, it more seems to be the structure of yes. the corporation, yes, rather than like, yeah, I don't blame the, the individuals. People. I blame yeah. the system. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I capitalism. feel at large. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Like we can talk about the nitpicks of DAWs and, and customer support, but our complaint is much bigger than that. Yeah. yeah. What would you do if you could make a DAW? You could make your own. Let's Mac and I'm, describe I'm something so visual. I'm so glad. I'm so <laughs> glad you asked because I actually started designing my own dog. Is this real? Yes, this is real. Oh yeah! <laughs> but Fuck it, yeah! So I hit a I hit a roadblock pretty pretty you know early on. But the the concept of my dog, yeah, I felt like it didn't exist on the market yet. Yeah, is a very like nonlinear. It's called scrawl. Like so, yeah. so for for like just context, like it's called scrawl because I wanted it to be just this messy sort of space to record sound and, and yeah. play with sound yeah and i was so tired of all the grids and all the click tracks and mm -hmm. the, all these things that like i don't want to let them bother me like when i'm creating yeah and obviously they're hugely helpful tools for yeah you know certain circumstances but all the like a lot of the time i just want to just have this like a basically an empty room of a dog yeah. that i can just fill up however i want totally so yeah i was getting into like the, the designing aspect of it and i was like this kind of sucks <laughs> and this would be really hard to yeah. actually feasibly make. And then I was like, nobody would use this. <laughs> so that's the end of my DAW story. But Yeah, that's sick. I mean, I think that that's like one, that's very fucking cool. <laughs> and two, like, yeah, it's wild to think like 
to what extent would the, the process change if the tools changed? Absolutely. And it's like, yes, it's a blank canvas, like Pro Tools, but it also is like Pro Toolsy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, I wonder if the buttons were different, if, if it would let your mind. It sounds like that was the exact that quest that of, you were on. Yeah, I wanted it to be more like of a, God, I don't even know, like a, like a visual, but like a more of a, just like a mess, honestly. I wanted it to yeah. be so messy. Yes. Kind of anti-DAW, the anti-DAW. Yeah, <laughs> that's sick. Yeah. I support this. Thank you. I, I do love Pro Tools, and part of me likes that it's ugly, mm -hmm. because it's like, let's get to work. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I like, grew up going to studios that had Pro Tools, and yeah. like, this is legit. Like, yeah. This, this makes my music real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The uglier it is, the more serious I am about my art. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. But also, Pro Tools is, I, I'm always yelling at my at the professional tools. Yeah. But do all you, DAWs do you are Is there any other DAWs, or is that your main one? Is that the one you were trained this on? Is, this is the one where my brain now is, like, fully mapped yeah. to this system, mm -hmm. you know? I was once in a Pro Tools class in college, dropped out because I was too scared, and now it's, like, a thing I do a lot of the time, wow. which I think is fun. If you want to talk about it, what was the moment that you faced your fear with Pro Tools? Yeah. Honestly, this podcast, this was yes. like a really gentle way of like getting very just like let's record two things and just drag some clips around. Yeah. And then I like never thought I was like a music tech person, but I was a video game person growing up. And then I realized like oh, these two parts of my life go together. Yeah. And I got excited. What was your what was your moment of? Honestly, of <laughs> pretty much the same. I wouldn't say. Podcast. I love that we're talking dogs. <laughs> What else do we talk about? We live in Los yeah. Angeles. <laughs> this is what Los Angeles people do. This is true. Also, like Sarah came over and we were like talking about some like very like serious heart feelings right before just like a very sweet check in. And I like going from that <laughs> to just like, hey man, what uh, <laughs> what plugins are you? Using? What's your uh, what's your chain looking like? <laughs> <laughs> These are the real important questions. Honestly, that is the scope of all the shit I care about pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, like my experience with DAWs was it started really early on, I think, in my life, but I, I didn't have the confidence to own like what I was doing. So basically my mm. mom got an iPhone, like the first one when I was like maybe God, was I like thirteen or fourteen? I must have been. Early teens. Yeah. Um and I and it had GarageBand and I was a Windows user growing up. Like we didn't yeah. have any Macs, like no desktops. Yeah, no yeah, Windows. yeah. And I like friends had Garage Man. I was so jealous. I'm like, I want whatever that is. I didn't even yeah. know what it was, but I was like, I want that to play with. Right. So I finally had a mobile version eventually. Yeah. On my mom's phone, and Whoa. I was obsessed. I would just That's sit sick. in my room. I'd like taught myself the ukulele, and I was like, you know, singing really quietly to myself. Yeah. And I would just do layers and layers because that was the exciting part. Yeah. For me. It was, like, you could, like do multiple things. That yeah. You couldn't do live, right? Whoa. Um, and where does this fit into like your musical quest overall? Um, that that's a good question. I think I was like I've always just kind of compo composed. I don't know if that's the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around with sound, like honestly, since I can remember. Yeah. So it was around ten that I started writing like real piano pieces, Fuck real yeah. quote unquote, uh, and that 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 I would remember them and that they were like structured and like had some sort of a like, yeah. They, they existed. They weren't just for the moment. Nice. Um. And so then yeah, fourteen was really like the 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 kind of bridge for me of like going from just yeah making stuff to like making stuff yeah <laughs> and, like, processing life i don't that's know. fucking cool um, yeah so it was honestly around the same time that i started writing like real structured songs with lyrics and started trying to sing a little bit um that was yeah. kind of when my interest in capturing sound started but again yeah. i didn't have the vocabulary or the confidence to own that mm. so i kind of just let it slide and i would just 
experiment with stuff. Finally got a Mac when I was, you know, mid-teens. A Hell Mac yeah. Of my own. Uh, eventually invested in Logic. Yeah. <laughs> I went straight from, like, GarageBand on a phone into Logic. Didn't know what I was doing. And just through pure force, I just taught myself. And then I started, yeah! <laughs> started working That's for an sick. audio tech company doing tech support. And I didn't really right. know what plugins were at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so I learned. <laughs> we're all, it's a journey. Yeah. And now those... on the other side yeah. of that, I'm, like, super proficient. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fuck podcast. yeah. That's right. I feel like if you're, uh, you know, s- drawing up the specs for your DAW, like, oh yeah, you're well. in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like, it feels like there's, like, getting more into audio shit. Like, there are like concentric circles of things I never thought I would be interested in. Yes, and like, as I, it seems like if I started in the in the bullseye. And I don't know enough about darts to continue with this. <laughs> but one ring away is like, you know, some like basic engineering stuff. And it was like, oh, that seems interesting to me. But I'll never really want to know more about X or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like it continues to grow like slightly. And I'm curious like what I think I won't care about now, but that I uh, will care about later. Because um, it still seems like there's a level of like when I hear certain audio engineers talk about like the conversion rate of certain like clocks, <laughs> making sure you have the right clock for all your things. And I'm just like, man, I don't want to know about the clocks. <laughs> Honestly, like my, my biggest hesitation to get like into the audio world was yeah. like, I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, I don't care about mm-hmm. anything. Right. I just want to like have fun, which is. I yeah. think, honestly, in a way, that's, like, a good mindset to have. I mean, obviously, yeah. it was the extreme side, so maybe, like, somewhere in the middle would be better. But right. the more I get into it, I'm like, fuck, I do care. Fuck. Yeah. And it's, like, <laughs> and it's just, like, the more you learn. Yeah. And it's like you were saying. It is, like, a concerted yeah. circle of, like, so, like, here's where I am now. And then, like, for example, like, learning yeah. instruments. Like, I played piano yeah. and ukulele, and then I was, like, starting to learn guitar. But when I was playing ukulele, I was like, oh, guitar, gross. I have no interest in that. Or, like, <laughs> or, like electric guitar, guitars. Gross. I was like, electric guitars should die. Like, I have no interest in that. But then, like, as I, like, went from oh, ukulele yeah. to, like, acoustic guitar, then I was like, yeah. oh, okay, well, electric guitar could be interesting. Like, I'd be down to try that. Then right. I became obsessed with it. Whoa. And I was like, but bass is something that I never care about in my life. Like, bass is yeah. going to die. Bases and then, can die. Well, I know, I know. And you're a bass player. And my sister's a bass player. No, I, I just like, think it's just, funny to have yeah. hot takes on instruments. Yeah. Well, it's like, but then, but the, the joke's on me because I came around to every single yeah, one of those yeah, things. Yeah. That at one point, I did not care about. I actively disliked. Yeah. Like, zero interest in. Yeah. Um, and then came around to like being extremely interested in it. So. Yeah. That's life, I guess. That's sick. And it yeah. seems to be like, as I'm hearing you talk about it, I feel very like similarly. And just like, I want to make the song. Yes. And how do I make it? Yes. And like every new thing that I get interested in is like, how do I help make the song, the experience of listening to the recording and all of the different things that are happening there at once. Absolutely. And actually, that just made me think I had I played a show last week. It was actually my first. Well, not show, but like I played live. <laughs> played Did three you songs. Do, I, th- I think I saw Monday. Yeah. You did Monday, Monday at Hotel uh, Cafe? It was uh, the Writer's Block. Writer's uh, Block. Showcase. So yeah, a bunch of songs Hell yeah. in LA. I think I saw some of my, some people that I knew on that lineup. I'm did, sure. Do you know Madeline yeah. Mai? I, I just met her at a different Whoa, showcase. That's but sick. I didn't like talk to her then, but then I recognized her song and I was like, wait, I know you. Anyway. Uh, but so I know like, her from a oh, way back. In, oh, really? Not way back, but we went to college, and then I mean, it's she was a tiny on this world. podcast when we were much <laughs> oh. younger. And I would be curious to hear what we had to say back then. Oh my god, that's terrifying! But I was like, oh, small world, cool. How was the show? 
it was insane. Like so, like every single talent. I mean, every every songwriter was so talented, and I, I don't know if it's just because we live in L.A. and the talent here is just insane. Like just the level. Like everybody who's like starting is just like already really good, or mm. if it's just such a well curated lineup that it's like just everyone was like blowing blowing the audience away. It was just yeah. a beautiful environment. But I actually That's had a, like a, I think it was a first time experience for me where uh, I played a new song. And I was terrified to play it. I'd never played yeah. it like for anyone, not even just like a friend before. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna play this live. Why not? Yeah. And I'm so glad I did, Mackin. Yeah. Because <laughs> for the first time, I was kind of like, I don't even know how to say this without sounding crazy, but I was like in a trance. It's yeah. Like, it's like I entered this state of like just like I don't even know. It was like insane. It's like I was I was experiencing it kind of from the outside, but at the on the inside at the same time. It was yeah. Just, this blissful thing that I'd never experienced because I hate sick. performing. I was going to say, I remember you mentioning that. I hate that. it. I hate yeah. it so much. I just get so nervous. Uh -huh. And it never really goes that wrong. So I'm not sure why. You right. know, it's like, it's yeah. really just in my head that things go wrong. Uh, but but what I learned from that experience or what I realized is I'm like, oh, I think this is what I've, this is why I've, <laughs> I hated recording too. I say I hate all these things. And it's funny because like I genuinely come from a background of like telling myself I hate that thing, even though it's like something I'm actively doing. Right. That's something I need to probably work on in therapy, but, <laughs> but, to, but anyway, like the point is, is I think that sort of transcendence of, like, I don't even know, focus on like the actual act of what you're doing, like playing guitar or singing, like that fades away to this pure feeling, and that's what I want to capture when I'm recording. But yeah. That is so hard to do. Yeah. Because you got a click track, or you got a microphone that you're afraid of, or right. just whatever, you know. Greg's being a little short. <laughs> Yeah. Come on, Greg. Exactly. <laughs> so I think maybe that was the idea behind Scroll was that it was an empty room so that you can pretend like you're just playing in an empty room and then like, yeah. oh, whoops, I captured that. And now yeah. you can go back over it and add more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That, I feel like that is some real like Jedi shit when it comes to recording. And yeah. that's so tight. Yeah. I was like recording some some people last night in, in here, but um, a song I'm like helping a friend produce. And this guy, Matt Richards, brought over his bass clarinet. Oh, and nice. I was like, yes. I'd only ever seen a bass clarinet once. But I like, I sometimes I like to pride myself on like, oh, I'm like, I'm prepared and I'm ready to go for the session. And I was unprepared. And it like, I was, I mean, it was fine, but I was just like still setting up the mic. And they were like, oh, what was that? What was that idea we just had? And I was like, Fuck, no. like, that's the whole point is to be, like, ready to get. That's why you have either ideas. your little field recorder going or yeah. your iPhone even. Yeah. Okay, true story. Do you know yeah. Claire Rousset? She's an incredible found sound ambient artist. No. Just learned about her music recently. I wrote about her for a Composer Magazine piece. Yeah. So glad I did. Another rad thing you do. Yes. Music um, journalism. Music journalism. That's fucking Honestly, sick. Honestly, the best way to learn about music is to write about it. Yeah. <laughs> other people making it. Yeah. Um, Because what I learned from her is that I was listening to her new record. It's, like, two songs but each one is like 15 minutes long and they're kind of these like story arcs of sound like all these ambient like human noises wind sounds like everything like captured on field recording devices yeah and then suddenly there's like a violin coming in and it's so haunting and beautiful and then suddenly there's a harp and like all these things and yeah. i remember listening for the first time the harp stood out to me like so much this beautiful yeah. harp playing and i actually talked to claire about that i was like or she even mentioned it. Um, oh, you interviewed. About, you interviewed yeah, this yeah, person. We, yeah, we got to talk Whoa. about like the, the making process, all this stuff. Yeah. And so, um, 
Yeah, I hadn't even mentioned the harp, and she brought it up. She was telling me about the musicians that played on the track. Yeah. Um, and she was like, yeah, I was just sitting in the harp player's apartment. We were in New York, and it was the pandemic. We didn't have any recording stuff, but I really wanted her to play on my record. And I was like, can you please, please play on my record? Yeah. And the harpist goes, oh, no, we don't have any audio gear. Like, no. And yeah. Claire's like, I have my iPhone. And so they yeah. recorded this piece, and Claire managed to mix it in so perfectly that i had no idea it was like in the fact that it even stood out to me on first listen as like something so beautiful and perfect whoa to find out that it was recorded on a fucking iphone randomly in an apartment i was like if that's possible literally anything is possible it was the most affirming experience (sighs) that rips yeah and that's like such a great antidote to all the times where i'm like i could do creativity but i need to buy this thing and yes (laughs) First, I know it's a know? bitch to realize that you're like, dang it, yeah. there's actually nothing holding me back. Yeah, <laughs> I have an iPhone. I even have an SM7 and yeah. an interface and a computer. Like, yeah, there's nothing holding you back. That's what's up. Yeah, you have done music interview. Yes, <laughs> correct. <laughs> correct. <laughs> <laughs> this has just turned into an interrogation. <laughs> no, that's cool. What have you like? Do you feel like that, like in that process, there's anything that stands out as like, oh, this is a big takeaway just from doing absolutely a series of interviews? Absolutely. I think um, with each artist, I, I really dive into their world for a brief moment before I even start crafting my interview questions, um, which always just leads to amazing discoveries. Because I think when you're when you when you discover music organically, it's always just like, oh, this is a good song. Who's this artist? And then you're just kind of like obsessed with that song or you just move on. But when you're like sat, sat down to like go through an artist's like entire life uh, in terms of discography, mm. already you're just like so invested in them yeah. and their music. So it's like a much more powerful listening experience, and it does take a lot more energy. So yeah, I wouldn't necessarily be doing this for every new artist that I want to yeah you know get familiar with. But the great thing is that I I never know who I'm going to be interviewing, and so I don't choose the music I listen to, and I love that because then it's like takes away all the bias and all of your past listening experience, and you're like, this is my new task. So it will come as an assignment. Someone exactly. Said, exactly. They're like, here's so your so. yeah. They're like, we think you'd be a good journalist for this this and person or this project. You take it upon yourself to dive into their dive whole in. World. Yeah, usually Whoa. set up an interview um, because of the pandemic and also you know location wise, it's yeah. often remote, like a you know Zoom Zoom yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. vibes. Um, but even still, like being able to talk to a musician or an artist about the thing that you just spent like so long kind of immersing yourself in is really just yeah you, you like get to connect like having a real conversation with someone like I can't, you can't replace that with yeah. anything there's nothing yeah. like you can't and you can't have listen to an interview of someone and and actually know them um, yeah without just like actually interacting with them on some level anyway mm. and so already it's just That's so sick. powerful to connect like all the work that you've just listened to right. and picked apart and like analyzed in order to choose the questions that you as or me as a musician would yeah. want to know knowing that the whole audience of composer magazine wants to know yeah you know, these things um and then yeah getting to just like hear stories and like i always yeah. just leave my recording device going throughout the whole interview yeah to capture every word i transcribe yeah. every word usually it's like ten thousand words or more and then i have to Fuck you know yeah. cut it all back to like 1600 words and it's like, it's like <laughs> dragging a knife through my chest because like i don't want to get rid of this oh, beautiful yeah. story but like you can't yeah, share yeah, yeah. every detail Right. Um, so honestly, if you are like really into sound and composition and just that that whole world, become a music journalist Whoa. or just start yeah. interview- I mean, start your own podcast and start interviewing um, artists because it is really just a magical experience. It That's is so inspiring. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It feels like 
it really goes in hand in hand. In hand in hand. hand it in really hand, goes hand, in, hand. in in it goes in the hands with <laughs> well, we're, <laughs> pocket with <laughs> There are hands about <laughs> We're getting hands. Uh, <laughs> I never finish my sentence. We just do hands hands puns for the rest of the show. <laughs> it feels like it makes perfect sense um in terms of like talking about oh how did this how did this piece of music come to be yeah how can i make stuff Mm -hmm. and that like leading you from playing instruments Mm -hmm. to recording to mixing mixing (laughs) to audio engineering to diving into like a composer's mind you know and that's like they they all seem very related in it in a Absolutely. rad way. Yeah, and also the the validation of it as well because you'll yeah. you'll ask these like questions that might be based on your past experience as a composer or musician, but they're like vague enough that it's like not obvious that it's connected. So then when they answer, it's like wait, that's like my experience, but you didn't say that, and so to hear it like from the horse's mouth mm. that like yeah, it just validates you know because like I just feel like there's always doubt. Doubt plagues all artists mm. constantly. Mm. And I think the only way to persevere through that doubt is one to just ignore it, but then two, the more powerful way is to validate that what you're experiencing, the doubt, that whatever it is, is real, and that other people go through it. But look, they've all they've made this incredible thing that you're obsessed with, you know? Yeah, so that could be you. Wow, you know? Yeah, yeah. That is maybe the main like dope thing that maybe not the main, but like one of the dopest things of listening to like a great interview with somebody yes. or something. I just agree. Being like, oh, whoa. Mm-hmm. It, the conditions were imperfect yeah. and you were insecure and then you went to make a, a rad thing that I like a lot. Yeah. That's tight. Mm-hmm. Doubt. Yeah. Whoa, you fuck with doubt ever? <laughs> uh, it's like the band? Uh, or <laughs> no. Is there a band called Doubt? Isn't there? <laughs> I know there's a band called No Doubt. That's what I was thinking. From my, my homeland of Orange County, California. Oh yeah, you're an Orange County person. I forgot about that. I know, it's a... It's so forgettable. <laughs> I'm <just> kidding. <laughs> Ooh. It's something I have complicated feelings about. Yeah. You know, because it's like a place I don't really identify with. Absolutely. But I also find myself moving into judgment very quickly. And it's like, oh, I have to not... Try to not judge this place mm-hmm. and like understand it. And there's like cool rad people there. Yeah. But also there's it's a, challenging, lot of, a lot of fucked up shit going on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was born in Pleasanton, California, which is... Mm-hmm. You've probably not even heard of it. I have not. Honestly, I think it is just a strip mall now. Or maybe it's a golf course. Either Wait, way. Wait, is like, it like in the Bay It's in the Bay-ish. Area? Yeah. I think I maybe did it's go like to near, Pleasanton it's once. It's Concord is, I think, more more known. Okay. I think I had a childhood friend, and I would only go to his house. And so I don't really remember yes. the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just went to his house. Yeah. Do you know Tyler? <laughs> oh, my God, yes. <laughs> We would play Pokemon together. It oh, was real nice. That's so sweet. Yeah, it rocked. Wow. Yeah, I was probably in the background. That's sick. Around. <laughs> we shared the same childhood. Yeah. But we did share Galway. Yeah. I feel like we should touch on that in case any of our Galway friends are listening. Absolutely. Hi, Dylan. Shout out. Hi, Dylan. Shout out to everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's so wild that we, I think I talked about it. I must have talked about it on this podcast for sure. But I had some like field recordings from or just like journals from my time there um, that we but we both separately went to a town in Ireland called Galway and we played music there and then made some friends and then and then left. Then, <laughs> and then <laughs> left. <laughs> but had like 
And I remember because we like we we hung out once and and chatted about it, and and Dylan, our mutual friend from that place, like put us. He was like, "Hey, you guys both uh, came here and are now doing songs in L.A. Like, talk, be friends, <laughs> be friends, be merry." <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and it was just like very wild because that's like a, such a defining and specific experience of my life Absolutely. and to find that yes, somebody <laughs> had like a parallel adventure okay, but it gets weirder because yeah. right after i met up with you yeah a couple weeks ago yeah uh another friend that i made in galway told me they were moving to la that week and so i re- Whoa! <laughs> i know it was so weird they were they were bay, bay area based for a while and they were when i lived in ireland when i met them at the yeah. underground bar in galway we were both playing yeah both american and like 19 yeah um and so we exchanged like instagram or whatever that was the only time we'd ever met and so i was yeah. heading to the bay area this month um, yeah and so i was like hey do you still live in oakland i know it's been seven years but i would love to, to get coffee yeah and they were like oh shoot i'm actually moving to la today but like when are you gonna be here and i was like stop i live in la Whoa! and so then like later that week after i saw you and talked about galway i met up with this other person who had the same like galway kind of Damn. growing up experience of yeah. music and this you know that's wild and i was like okay why is suddenly like this like yeah. i don't know like we're attracting people that like <laughs> or like are we all attracting each other like, yeah okay. that's cool maybe just a weird coincidence that's exciting yeah that's the kind of kismet shit that i get hyped on i'm like it's probably a sign that i should probably just like go back yeah to galway you know yeah uh, which i've been saying for about four years basically since i was last there I was like, yeah, i'll go back <laughs> soon <laughs> it'll happen it'll happen i know that you told me already but would you can i ask you again like about that trip yeah it was trippy yeah um yeah so i basically i'd saved up i went to college for two seconds i got my yeah. degree and i was like i need to leave the country what did you do what did you what did you study um i got my high school diploma word and, Hell yeah. uh, just a transfer associates degree it was like a two-year program it was paid for by the state i did not have any uh formal education before that where? And so by the time I was 18, I graduated. I was like, I need to get out. I need to, like, I can't be in a classroom anymore. This doesn't work for me. Mm, so yeah. I paid for this trip to Ireland for like a month. I was like five weeks. It was like a while. Yeah. And ended up spending most of the time in Galway. Um, yeah. I was working on music for a, a feature film at the time. And I thought I was wrapped on the project. But then Whoa. I ended up needing one more song. So I like literally, I was like 19. I was very ill. Like I had gotten this cold because I wasn't eating well. And I was oh, no. traveling. And I rented a guitar for like 10 euros from this music shop. Like yeah. Howl's Music, which I hope it's still there. On yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I like went to my hostel room and I wrote this song. And I sent like a voice memo to the, the producer of the film. And I was like, how, how is this sounding? They're like, perfect. Can you find a studio to record? And I was Whoa. like, I can try. And so then yeah. I like, reached out to like the handful of music people that I had met while yeah. I was in Galway. Like mostly from the Roisin Dove open mic and like just street performers. Yeah. Uh, and they all pointed me towards Ray Diamond, which I don't know if he's still around, but he was he set up a home studio at the time and was nice enough to record me super last minute. Helped me produce this song like yeah. on the fly. <laughs> yeah. Um. And it was like such a magical experience, and I got, yeah, I got back to to the states, and I was like, well, I'm gonna move there. Like, I I gotta go back. Yeah. So I managed to somehow get a visa. It took a few months, like a solid lot of months. How long was that first trip? It was like five weeks. Five um, weeks. And so then I ended up going back for a year, and Whoa, I got a job. Fuck yeah. In a cafe, I would gig every weekend. Uh, yeah go over to dublin on like the overnight bus or i would take the the bus there and then take the la- last bus back in the middle of the night yeah uh, to save money <laughs> fuck yeah it was like yeah the real kind of 
singer songwriter Ireland experience. Yeah, from my experience, it was everything I wanted. I was so so heartbroken to leave. Yeah. Um, but I grew so much. Yeah. So. Yeah. What did you learn as as singer songwriter there? I That's mean, so fucking sick. I think I learned, or I I don't know if I learned anything, but I. <laughs> I found community. Yeah. Something, and I, I was finally, so honestly, the reason I, well, a large part of the impetus for me to leave the country was so I could play in bars because I was yeah. 18, 19 when I was really getting serious about playing. Oh, word. But I was like, all the fucking cool venues kicked me out. Like, I got kicked out of so many venues. Yeah. Even just trying to go see my friends in the scene, like, to play. For sure. And it was so disheartening, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, if I could be in a place where the drinking age is 18. Yeah. I can just be playing shows all the time at cool venues. With that cool is a people. very badass uh, thing to recognize <laughs> and then follow through on. I know, and That's I'm really super cool. I'm super lucky that my parents were like so supportive of my idea yeah! to just like leave the country at such a young age. I'm honestly so so surprised they never tried to stop me. They were Whoa. obviously sad, you know. They were like something horrible could happen to you. You'd be four thousand miles away, and we can't do anything. But mm. they let me go, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe I just was so focused that I didn't hear anybody <laughs> saying like maybe you should think about this. But that's rad. But yeah, but what yeah. I found there was just the just honestly the most beautiful, vibrant music scene I've ever I've ever seen. And I've yeah. I feel like I've seen quite a few. Or at least I've seen totally. all the big American kind of music scenes like New York and yeah. Nashville, LA, Portland, yeah. Oregon, where I was uh, raised. Yeah. Um, the lack of music scene in the Bay Area, which there should be one. There just, yeah. There really isn't. But anyway, yeah, so I found community, found these beautiful people and just so much inspiration from that. Yeah. And now I know it exists. I'm like Honestly, it just gives me hope. So if I'm yeah. feeling like really disconnected here in LA, and yeah. like there's no real scene, I don't have like a community of people that yeah. like, just genuinely care about me as a person as mm -hmm. well as my music. I'm like, wait, but they do exist. They're just not here. And then I'm like, it's yeah. just me. I should just go there. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. The kindest, supportive, most supportive town, yes. full of full of rad people and making stuff. Genuinely talented too. Like, yeah. Everybody there, it's insane. Yes. It's, yeah. Yeah. There's something like. Did you ever read David Byrne's How Music Works book? I think it's on my shelf, but I don't think I've ever read it. It's cool. I mean, I, I read it when I was like 18 or 19. I wonder, uh, looking back on it now, and there's probably some like, because he goes on some like industry stuff that is probably outdated, but like he does like have this one chapter on like, how does a scene start? And like, what are the factors that like go into a scene whole existing? Music scene. I thought we were talking about film here for a second. I don't know why. <laughs> David Byrne does a whole movie in the book. <laughs> but how does a music scene start? Well, he was saying like, bands need to have a place they can play for free and trash it out. Yes. And like, just the, it was just kind of talking about the conditions of, uh, and for him, and he was just like, you know, CBGB, you could just like try stuff, and like that's how the talking heads like got to figure some shit out. Yeah, and it does feel like, and I like try not to be a hater, and like I think that there are like some of my favorite rad creative people in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's something to be said for like just how supportive. Uh, and I was I was only in Galway for like maybe six weeks or something, mm -hmm. but just like it really seems like those conditions were there of like. You could you could go to an open mic and you could try stuff and Absolutely. you and it just seems like it was really fostering a lot of like really strong creativity through community and support yeah and like that that was there in a way that I'm like well I don't know if that's here I agree um, and I yeah. think um and I've heard my Irish friends say this that like 
they say like ambition dies in Galway. It's like the graveyard amb- ambition. <laughs> not, yeah, yeah, not yeah. a lie. Portland, where I'm from, is also called like where young people go to retire. So like really similar <laughs> vibes and Word. very similar music scenes in a way. Portland yeah. is not nearly as like cohesive and I would say supportive as like the Galway scene was for me. But mm-hmm. also yeah. this could be a different age and stage and perspective. Right. Um. But anyway, so with that kind of lack of ambition, I think there's some freedom in knowing that being there mm. and creating there, there isn't you know like pressure to be like you have to be the best because to be the best means that you get a record deal and and you get to be a professional millionaire you know musician or whatever the fantasy is that kind of exists over us in los angeles yeah yeah yeah. like even if you you know i feel like you and i are here for the quote-unquote right reasons of being creative people wanting to be around creative people appreciate that where it's sunny all the time you know i think that was the the main thing for me was the sun yeah (laughs) but anyway but with that said there is this like kind of weight hanging over us of success you know or perceived success yes and i think that affects everybody here whether they acknowledge it or not and whether they like it or not yes which i think some people thrive on that pressure or that yes i don't even know the aspiration of yeah kind of yeah commercial success yeah yeah it's that was such a insightful uh analysis of things and i feel like it's hard for me to think about it in a way that's not uh that doesn't fall into like a reductive cynicism or something and just like <laughs> man all these fucking phonies yeah. i'm just real honestly though like <laughs> catch me after going to an open mic and i will i will be filled with rage <laughs> yeah it's well it's in and the, the, there's like intelligence in that rage and i think like upon thank you for validating my yeah, rage <laughs> i think like Talking to you was like a uh, an excellent reminder for me and like reconnecting with the freedom that I felt in Galway of just like, whoa, like what are my goals artistically? Yeah. And like to what extent am I being influenced by commerce because of living in Los Angeles? Music trends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like and just like taking a step back and being like, whoa, this is a th- like I've been like it's hard to parse like to what extent like capitalism is shaping your art yes and like i like to think about 99 percent is it's shaping mine yeah yeah i'm the one percent left in my creative uh pursuits (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and so it's just like i'm 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 current this seems like to be a theme in my life right now of like especially like people that i like came up with and like for me, like school was like a very supportive scene in that way, but also it does seem like now, like oh, careful not to just assume other people's goals as your own. Ooh. Like, unless you want that, but just like don't just like automatically just start being like, I guess I should just like try to get a sync deal or something, you know, or yeah. like a goal leech. <laughs> yeah, goal leech. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it's like, that's been like a positive thing for me to like reflect on. But at the same time, like you're talking about like, oh, like to what extent is that, like, is there a, is there an, a, a best of both worlds thing where there's like a creative freedom, but also like a, a drive and an ambition that like ups your game, Yeah, you know, without financial uh, and emotional stability yeah See, i feel like if you choose a creative path like you just sacrifice emotional and financial <laughs> stability and that's honestly what we're all, i think all working through <laughs> yeah 
extremely well said. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's it's um it's tough. It's tough. But I I want to say it's worth it. I don't know if we'll know until the end, you know, right. of our lives or or the end of yeah. this chapter. Yeah. Uh, I'm still waiting for my career change into electrical engineering. It has yet to hit me, but it, it it's coming. Maybe ten years. Is this a secret uh, dream of yours? Probably a secret. I feel like I tell everybody. I'm like, God, I really wish yeah. I'd studied electrical engineering or any kind of engineering, but specifically something more. Yeah, more maybe mechanical engineering. I got a question for you. Oh no! Being that you're of this mind, how come the radio's coming into my cable sometimes? Magic. <laughs> Figured. That was my first thought. It was the devil it, or magic. Yeah. Well, your neighbor is a wizard. Right. Of course. And you did, Nicole, you did, she looks like a you wizard. You did kill their plant. And so I'm just yeah. saying, if you kill a wizard's plant, oh. you're going to get radio waves in your signals. You know, you're going to get mixed signals. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like pretty mild revenge for a wizard. <laughs> that seems like. But a, you work in audio. So honestly, that's kind of yeah. like, well, unless that's your vibe, you know. Do you know that I killed my own plant? And is that why you're saying that? Or did you just riff just that? Just a wild, wild guess. <laughs> I feel like it's happened to all of us. Uh, you know, we've all killed a plant. I have a plant on the porch that I have neglected to water in this very, very hot Maybe summer. Maybe I saw it coming in like subconsciously. <laughs> was she sitting there waiting to come out? <laughs> Clearly, I'm defensive about it. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Oh. Uh, no, I'm just such a, uh, what's the word? I'm such a commercial songwriter that my mindset of, having specifically vague lyrics also applies to podcasts and talking about plants because we have literally all killed a plant at one point in our lives. One thing is for sure in that this is a very commercial podcast. Yes, it is. Thank you so much for reminding me. We're the big dogs. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Um, what any, any, any insights or, or thoughts on that quest for you about commerce, authenticity in art? You know, that is such a good question. It's honestly a crisis I've been going through for probably a year now, where um, during the pandemic, I was working full time for an audio tech company, which is great. I was learning a lot about the audio tech side of things. Uh, but on the side, I was being paid to write commercial music for ads and things um, from a publisher who I'd worked with for many years, kind of on a a more of a like a catalog level, like my, my personal stuff was just in their catalog. So they were then hiring me to write new songs um, <clears throat> with specific briefs. And so... I was like after working all day at my desk job, I was then working all night on these songs and I hit just this huge wall of burnout. And I thought, like, I don't want to do anything ever again in my life. Music isn't fun. Tech isn't fun. Nothing is fun. Music is not fun. Um, and so then I, uh, I, I stopped doing that. I stopped pursuing as actively when that project wrapped. I stopped pursuing more commercial writing work because I was just so over it and so tired. So I focused on just trying to regain a joy of music while still working full-time for the audio tech company uh and then it, it kind of just like i tried to record another like solo album i had written some songs that i really loved playing live and i was like great i'll capture these because i'm really enjoying this that went south so it was like another like ugh, another shot to like it was my ego but like my sense of direction and so then i kind of abandoned that and i was like but i'm just really loving writing and playing songs right now like playing them and it's funny because you know i've never loved playing shows i've played them a lot but i don't Love it. I still don't, but I'm starting to think that that might be the next thing to focus on is like not necessarily on the capturing the songs or exploiting them, but literally just connecting with people through music to mm. try and rekindle whatever mm. it was that drew me to to writing songs and playing them in the first place. Yeah. And so then, yeah, then I quit my job. <laughs> Punk rock. 
because I was, again, so burned out. Like, does anybody relate to this? Is, is anybody else uh, feeling burned out out there? <laughs> Must just be me. Uh, and I'm lucky enough that I... I only ever feel strong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cut to me canceling on you last week because <laughs> I was sad and tired. <laughs> <laughs> that was a real break. That was a real breakdown, though. That's bad. No, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. <laughs> but yeah, so quit my job, and I'm lucky enough to be able to like barely sustain myself through through the commercial exploits of my music. It's not sustainable. Not so much that I am like emotionally stable, and so I've just been like trying to find more jobs while also just writing so many songs and just like just writing this honestly intense wave of creativity. I've been not just writing songs, but like. Uh, writing books and book proposals and fuck yeah you know interviewing amazing artists for composer magazine and like just all this creative stuff that i was i felt like i was suppressing or giving up in order to have this financial stability of Mm. like a desk job Mm. so currently right now i'm just trying to figure out uh, i'm trying to work through that yeah (laughs) i'm trying to just like you know stay so grateful that i am like barely making it in los angeles from music but also aware that it can't last (laughs) without putting myself through another round of something that's ultimately going to lead to burnout. Mm. So that kind of, it's like I'm dragging my feet and committing to the next thing because I'm like afraid, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm also just like low-key enjoying just this creative freefall yeah! and like lack of responsibility other than paying my bills and like feeding myself once a day. But it's gotten to the point where I've been... Once a day? <laughs> once or twice. It's hot. <laughs> I don't have AC, so... Right. Oh, just, you don't have ACs, you don't I have don't. lunch? No. Yeah, well, no. Like, I'll, Too hot for lunch. It's like I wake up and I'm like, I'll have a coffee and it's like good energy boost. Yeah. And so then I'll like float until like mid- early mid-afternoon and then I'll be like, God, it's getting really hot, but I'm really hungry. So I'll eat like a giant salad. Yeah. And then it'll just get so hot and I'll just sit in like my bathtub full of cold water um, for like the afternoon. Just yeah. And reflect. Just think about... Because I'll try and do the productive stuff in the morning when it's less intensely mm. hot. <clears throat> yeah. Really navigating the yeah, heat is a Yeah, but it's gotten, of... it's gotten to the point where with this kind of like lack of routine in a way, or like there's a routine in there, but it's not like structured to, to capitalism necessarily and like not to a desk job and not to a particular project for anybody. And so I've kind of gotten into these grooves, the same kind of grooves that I was getting into when I had those routine jobs. And I'm like, oh no, is that inescapable? That sort of monotony? And mm. so I've started accidentally cutting all of my fingers on various kitchen appliances and breaking glass things. Damn. And I don't know if any of you play music out there, but hands and fingers. like Fingers is a big part of it. Fingers is a big part of it. <laughs> and like, I just last night. Yeah, you got two band-aids on your. Just tore open two yeah. my two two picking fingers. So I'm like, oh fuck. In a way, I'm like, is am I subconsciously trying to find a way to stop playing music? Like, is my am I Whoa. is my mind or body telling me like to to like do something else right now? Whoa. Anyway, I go into an existential crisis about every five to ten minutes. Yeah. If I'm not distracted by something. Yeah. So. What are, what are these band-aids? They look like fun band-aids. Um, they're they're pretty fun. I got them. I think when I first moved here, so I was like twenty. I was like 23 or 4 and I was like I'm an adult I'm gonna get some band-aids yeah. oh these are cute <laughs> they're like uh, like fun party they have different colors but this is just one of the one of the strains of the package love it so is your hand okay I don't know <laughs> it, it hurts a lot that sucks Um, and it did take a while to stop bleeding although I did leave them bandage free this is like way TMI for the podcast so I left them bandage free all morning Um, and they did get that kind of <laughs> film of like not blood, you know, so it's like, okay, I think they're healing, you know. Mm. So in a week's time, I'll give you an update and 
I will play again. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, at the same time, it's like, are we just like trying to destroy ourselves because our environment is destroying us in other ways? Like, is it just this whole self-destruct cycle? Is there a way out of that? If there is, I'd like to know about it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what meditation is for. I've yet to really try that, but mm. hear good things. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm curious about, um, because just from from uh, talking to you, mm-hmm. uh, hearing about this creative wave, listening to your songs. Your songs are fucking great, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, it was a real, real pleasure to, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to, to get to listen to your songs this morning. Um, and also, uh, yeah, so I'm curious about, if you don't mind sharing, you said that you were, you were uh, embarking upon another solo album. Yes. And then found like, you're like, oh, this is actually not my path right now. Yeah. And I pivoted out of it. What was that moment like? Um, it was pretty brutal. Um, I have a really good friend here in Los Angeles who's been just the, the biggest wonderful support system for me moving here, knowing relatively no one right before the pandemic happened. So we got really close to the pandemic because we Hell lived yeah. uh, in the same neighborhood and, and we would just really relied on each other for just like emotional support, music support. Just, you know, yeah, he's a musician too. That rips. And we'd been, we'd worked on another project during lockdown uh, that went south for, you know, creative differences reason. Or like, honestly, we both just like lost motivation. We like kind of lost mm-hmm. sight. There was never a vision for the project. It was just us kind of creating off of each other's work. Uh-huh. And so like knowing that that had gone like the direction it did, I'm not sure exactly why I thought that I should work with this friend on this solo project other than mm. he was available and very enthusiastic. Yeah. You know? And I love him dearly. Yeah. Uh, but it got to a point where we just, we don't really work well together. I think in, mm. like we're both just learning about ourselves, each other. Yeah. Working on stuff that is so personal. Yeah. And so, yeah, I got to a point where it was like, it was just very clear that it wasn't working for either of us. Like the direction mm. of the songs, like we were basically on opposite sides yeah. Of the spectrum of what we kind of wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we kind of respectfully went our different ways. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, like, it kind of, ta- it didn't taint the songs for me, but it definitely, like, left me feeling really burnt out from them. Mm-hmm. When my whole goal from the beginning was to just record them really quickly and very roughly and almost just, like, live takes. Yeah. Which we actually had done at the very start. And I still mm-hmm. do have those live takes, which... Might be exactly what I was looking for in the first place. I'm mm-hmm. honestly a little too scared to dive back into them to like try and mix them and yeah. maybe release them. But totally understandable. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. honestly, since then, it was like I t- took like six months away from those songs after that yeah. experience. That was like the end of last year. And so then, yeah. yeah, I started coming back to them about a month or two ago because I had this show coming up and I was like, well, I'd like to play my resonator yeah. guitar. And the, they were all resonator songs. Fuck yeah. Uh, but then honestly, it just kind of prompted a new wave of songs to be written. Yeah. That I'm like identifying with a little bit more, I think, like kind of a new style. You know, you go yeah. through phases of ri- like writing a certain like, yeah, like a vibe, <laughs> like an aesthetic. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. I'm in a new aesthetic from what those songs were, which is mm. annoying because I'm like, I still really want to capture those and release them in some way. Right. And like still play them live, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but it's also like, do they mix with the new ones? They probably do. You know, I'm probably yeah. doing that really nitpicky thing as an artist, but you're like, these are the most different things in the world. But like to anybody else, they're like, they're the A-side, same song. B-side, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what are you talking right, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I totally get that. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, I think, I think I've, I've fallen into this pattern over the years of like wanting to like do something for myself, like musically, like I'm going to release an album. 
then I just get horribly stuck and then I have to rely on other people to like get through it. Mm-hmm. And it's never like a fun process, at least for mm-hmm. me, because it's like, it's just kind of draining. I don't know if you relate to that, but capturing an album is like the most emotionally draining thing <laughs> for me. Um, it's really hard. And so basically at this point, like I'm 26 now and I'm like, I've always worked with other people and yeah. I've always sacrificed my own opinions and my own thoughts on my own music to appease mm. those people. Uh, as much as I'm so, so grateful for their support and their direction, it's still yeah. like I'm, there's always sacrifice there. And I think for a long right. time, I silenced that. I kind of gaslit myself into thinking that there wasn't sacrifice going on. Yeah. But it got to a point where I was like, wait, these songs have such a clear vision and it's such a rough and human vision. And I'm like, wait, that's always been my vision. But I've always worked with people who are much more precise and much more um, refined and they want it to sound more, I don't know, commercial or I don't even really know. And I think that's, yeah if anybody out there is collaborating maybe ask your collaborator like what is your Mm -hmm. desired end result like what Mm -hmm. what's important to you yeah yeah anyway so basically now i'm like shit i think i need to just do something on my own but that thought terrifies me so much that i'm kind of paralyzed (laughs) so Mm. either i'm gonna meet the right person to work with or i'm not and um yeah or i'll never release music again that's that's always a possibility (laughs) so yeah it's that man i appreciate you uh Sharing those thoughts. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm very inspired by you. Oh. And you seem like a very, like, capable and uh, prolific creative person. And so it's, like, interesting to me. That's my epitaph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell a prolific yeah. and creative person. <laughs> I mean. May they rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, it seems like having lots of ideas is will at some point be met with how do i spend my time yes and like knowing which ideas to follow through and which ideas to like see through and and when to be like you know what actually i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna pivot here yeah just seems to be like a a crucial skill where rather than like Sometimes I'm just like, I have to finish this. And it's like, sometimes I'll break through and find another stride. And it's like, oh, thank God I didn't give up. But then other times it's like, it's good that I moved on to something else. And this was all worth it and yeah. like led me to the next it's thing. It's all but... learning. Everything is a learning process. Yeah. Yeah. But that it sounds like you have a lot of awareness around like creatively what your what your needs are and like what's working and <laughs> do <stuff>. i <laughs> do you feel that way or no maybe listening back to this i'll have like insight but currently i just feel lost all the time yeah like i just genuinely feel like i if i was a compass or if my life was a compass it's just spinning like so fast mm. and there's no sense of direction mm-hmm. um which hopefully that feeling comes right before like a big thing that's like really grounds me and like gives me a, a sense of direction and purpose and honestly i moved to la with one goal my one goal when I moved here was I want to do cool shit with cool people all working towards some cool idea or some, yeah. something for a greater something. Yeah. And I had no idea what that meant. I thought for a minute right. it was the tech company I worked for because they were doing really cool stuff and they still do amazing stuff. Um, but it definitely wasn't it in terms of like lifestyle for me. Like it was killing me slowly. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just very, I was sacrificing too much of my emotional yeah. and creative well-being, honestly, for that mm-hmm. job. So I'm like, okay, well that wasn't it. Um, and I, I usually have like a cafe job or some sort of a service job to like supplement my music income. But since the pandemic, uh, that kind of went away and then came back. Mm-hmm. But it was very different. And it's much more stressful working in that 
kind of environment nowadays. It is, yeah. So basically, a job that only got harder. Yeah, <laughs> and didn't it get, sucked. get like, paid more. Huge, <laughs> huge shout out to everybody working in service right now because you deserve so much more than you're being treated, so much more than you're being paid. And yeah. we'll get through this. And I think it'll get better. I hope it gets better. And yeah. on a shout out, no, not shout out, but call out to everybody who goes to any kind of restaurant, cafe, any kind of service place. Tip well. Please tip really well. Like, don't just tip 50 cents. Don't tip $3 on a $50 order. Like, we notice. It sucks. Mm. Don't be that person. If you can afford to eat out, you can afford to tip. You mm. can. I know it doesn't seem like, you know, a good use of your money, but, like, these people are getting paid minimum wage. Which yeah. is not enough. It's sixteen dollars an hour in to LA. deal with the worst people. There's something yeah, about the, worst the pandemic people. and restaurants that <laughs> yeah. really brings out some horrible it stuff. It brings people. out the worst. Like and it was bad. It was bad before the pandemic, but now it's like, <laughs> oh my god! Like, oh, I had one day in the service industry recently, uh, and that was enough to almost end me. And my my coworker Damn. who was training me went to cry in his car on his lunch break, and that Damn. to me was a huge sign that this was not gonna end well for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So yeah, basically, <laughs> I don't remember what the start of the story was, but to summarize or to to end it, like basically, decide or like figuring out what the safety net is now. That, yeah. Because like music is just, I don't think for anybody, even if you're Hans, well maybe if you're Hans Zimmer, you're like always guaranteed like money and success, or or at least another project to work on that right. might lead to money. Yeah. Um, like I just don't think you ever have that kind of like sh- sureness, and so but but like having a backup kind of. I don't know, profession or something like that to, to always rely on. Or if you get burned out, then you don't have to feel Yeah. So I think I'm figuring out what that next that next thing is for me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I am also asking similar questions of myself, and it is really helpful to hear you share about your experience with them of, like, creativity, sustainability, like, satisfaction. Stability. Stability. <laughs> Where, how do all these things make sense? Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. That's cool. I'm curious about if you don't want to talk about this, we can't. I mean, wait. <laughs> let me start over saying what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm very fascinated by I listened to the, the Sylvia Plath podcast pilot oh, that yes. you sent over. It's fucking rad. <laughs> it rocks. You. If it's a secret, we don't have it's to. It's not talk a secret. It I would love all. to talk about we it. We talk about uh, it because it's dead. It's dead in the water. No! <laughs> and I'll tell you why, Mackin. It's a this ju- is so soon. It died such a sad death. So basically, what I put a lot of work into this first episode, and I was really excited to work on the next yeah. episode. But before I did, I, I in the back of my head, I already knew like I was using a lot of excerpts. I was using full poems from the collected poems of Sylvia Plath. Oh, a no. lot of published works, right? That are. Still, did the, did the very, Plath Estate reach out? No, I reached out to the Plath Estate. Whoa, well, to, really? To the individual publishers of just the books that I was using, like sizable excerpts from, like specifically yeah. the collected poems, because I was reading full on poems in my yeah. podcast, uh, which might not seem like a lot, but uh, in the intellectual property world, like that's a big deal. Whoa. So I reached out and I was get, I was trying to get clearance. I was trying to get a license of some kind to, yeah. to just like make sure I was like in the clear. Even though like there's no goal to make money off of this, it was purely made for the love of Sylvia Plath's yeah. work and for other people that might love or you know grow to love Sylvia Plath's work. Yeah. Um, and it was just such they just shot it down so fast. No. It was basically like, how do you plan to distribute this? And I was like, I've never distributed a podcast before, but probably like a distributor. And they were like, oh, 
we don't let you do that because if it's like on Spotify or whatever, like it's you can't be like it's not accountable. Like you can't just like remove it whenever you want, which I think you can actually. But they were yeah. like, nope, we'll never allow that. And I was like, so I responded actually this morning. That was the last update. Was this morning was like no. And I was like, there's no like fair use for commentary or but, like I don't know. And so then I responded. Yeah. And I was like, but what if I just use something like SoundCloud where it's very much in my control? Yeah. And I reiterated that I'm like, this is made purely for fun and yeah. for no monetary gain. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I'll probably. And I just love this and stuff, I just, and I want other people to find it. Yeah. Can you maybe help me? Yeah. Um, instead of being mean with laws. I don't think they <laughs> like. I just genuinely don't think they care that much. That sucks. And so I'm like, is it worth a lot? Like I'm watching Barlow and Bear go through this lawsuit with. Netflix. I don't know if you've heard about this. No clue what you're saying. So I would love to know about it. It's a very niche part of the world, but for some reason, my world has just become this this corner of the industry. Yeah, of course. So I worked for this big plug-in company. We worked a lot with composers. Yeah. Uh, Some of the composers we worked with were Emily and Abigail, or Emily Bear and uh, Abigail Barlow, Uh known collectively as Barlow and Bear. They're an amazing, really young fantastically talented com- composition duo. Hell yeah. And they became really well known last year uh, uh-huh. for their, they made a Bridgerton musical. Whoa, like whole, fuck yeah. Like a whole 15 song. They just won a Grammy for it. Like, whoa. They like, boom, skyrocketed. Yeah. Uh, and then like, just last week, Netflix decides to sue them for, even though they'd already promoted, like they Netflix had been promoting their, it was TikTok that it went viral. Like these songs oh, yeah. went viral, right? So of course Netflix is like, sharing the TikToks and being like, watch Bridgerton, look at this, like, this oh is so God. great, you know, support, you know. Right. And so then they, like, let let these girls go and do all this really cool shit with the, the music that they've created. Right. Granted, it was based very much on the Bridgerton IP, intellectual property. Right. Um, and then they just came came around and they were like, oh, we're suing you on accounts of, you know, in copyright infringement and this and this and this, and, like, all these things. Whoa. And so far, there's been no comment from the Barlow and Bear side, but I'm really curious to see how yeah. it plays out. That sucks. Um, but anyway, because Netflix, I know, what are we doing? Netflix, what are we doing? Because like, you need a PR win. Like right everybody, now. <laughs> everybody is like siding with Netflix, and I get it because really because they paid a lot of money. Like, so Bridgerton was a novel by Julia Quinn, I believe. Is okay. The author. And so then Netflix, uh, and that was like from the 80s. I think the book is from the 80s, right? Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. Um, and so, yeah, Netflix is going to make a, you know, the, the show, the series of it. So they, oh, okay. license, so they bought the rights. Oh, yeah, they, buy, they or bought or the license. license. They somehow, okay. They're the rights holder of the, the intellectual property for the entire Bridgerton, like, world. The Bridgerton yeah, the, universe? The universe the Bridgerton of Bridgerton. Expanded yes, expanded exactly. universe? Hell yeah. Um, and so, and like, I guess, like, now it's coming out that they did have plans to expand into, like, other kind of media besides just, like, a Netflix original series. Mm. Um, I don't think they were ever gonna like write and produce an entire musical because like as a that's not their market, right? Yeah. Now it could be because of these two. So it's like, oh, my issue oh, is that shit. like yeah. I understand like that that the composers completely like they stole that di- not stole they took dialogue they were inspired by this yeah. whole other idea that they were not part of that they didn't have any rights to. Yeah. However, they did create a real legitimate and imp- uh, impactful body of work. Yeah, that they one hundred percent should be able to exploit. Yeah, you know? and and I guess there had been like a license offered from Netflix to them at some point before the lawsuit, like to to extend it to them so they can continue to throw live shows of the you know series and or oh the interesting concert. right yeah. yeah um so but there's no information about what that looked like right and I'm curious to th- to see if it was like just the shittiest deal you can imagine right and honestly I'm really hoping that this. Turns like I don't want them to be in the spot. Like I really hope this goes away quietly for the composers, so that they don't 
you know, ruin their whole careers because of this lawsuit. I don't uh-huh. think they will, because I think bad, bad publicity is good publicity in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really hope it can open up a huge conversation around intellectual property, but also the yeah. exploitation of creative people for commercial gain. Because right. Netflix is essentially using their viral success that they created for their own free marketing purposes. Right, yeah. And then it's like, oh, and it's like, are we going to acknowledge that? Right. Or are we just going to, they're like, no, it's just fan fiction. But now they're like, it's fan fiction to the extreme. So now it's crossing lines. But it's right. like, why don't we look the other way? And yeah. Like, why are we exploiting all these creative people all the time? Right. And I'm like, I guess I have a bone to pick because I work yeah. a lot in this the sync industry. And it's I had, important. had an experience recently where I was like, given this opportunity to like write some songs and get this cool studio space to use. It was all free, quote unquote. Until it just kind of slipped out that, oh, but we'd be keeping your uh, publishing in perpetuity forever. So the publishing of a song is like the value of the song. If you hold the publishing to a song, that's the golden ticket. Don't ever get rid of your publishing. Even if people offer you, oh, okay, if they offer you a million dollars, I guess do it. (laughs) But don't do it for free and don't do it for like a hundred bucks or 200 bucks. And and my experience when I fought back and I said, I don't give my publishing away to anybody yeah at least not all of it right the response that i was met with was oh well too bad that is literally the industry standard that's what everybody does you're never going to get us to budge and i was like if i was younger and more naive and like less if i had less experience like in in this kind of lawyer side and like contract side yeah i would have probably just signed it or just like agreed to it right you know but like at this point it's just like yeah, we're. Lo- I think we're losing a lot of opportunities if we are aware yeah. of how shitty the deals are. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if we are agreeing to these deals, we're enabling the system. Right. So, yeah. yeah, that's my rant. Thank you for listening. <laughs> no, I think that it's so important uh, because it's something that is shrouded in mystery. Yes. And, like, is, is a conversation that I feel like it, I will hear other, like, you know, union or a workers rights conversations and like to to even question like the the yeah the system that is and uh think about like how it's affecting the creative class like i think is like really important and honestly something that i've had a lot of like unorganized rage about mm-hmm. um and it's like really helpful to hear more about it and it feels like there's um i'm like trying currently trying to figure out hey like where like what is the system here who has the power what is like follow the money <laughs> yeah what, like what is like what needs to be updated and changed like there are other like like black lives matter for example it feels like they have such clear legislative mm-hmm. uh paths in mind mm-hmm. to to help like write some of the the justice wrongs absolutely you know? yeah the nsai in nashville shout out to them they're doing huge work Whoa. for songwriters trying to get like our kind of baseline i think royalties upped from for the first time in like over a hundred years this rate has never been adjusted yeah and like to think about everything we've had to face with inflation and you know yeah. just yeah not to mention just like everything like the value yeah. of money let alone our circumstances yeah and we're getting paid the exact same rate as people over a hundred years ago yeah and like songwriters are already just like undercredited and undervalued like commercial songwriters yeah, I, should, yeah, yeah. I should mention for this that might not be aware that like most music you hear on the radio was written by somebody who is not the artist or at mm. least it was partially written by somebody who was not yeah you know featured their name is not listed anywhere other than maybe yeah you know some obscure credits on like a publishing website but yeah 
and like 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 ownership percentage used as like bargaining tools mm-hmm. and things like that it just seems like oh man it's it's it seems hard to uh especially like yeah you're starting and it's like i'm i'm still like very much starting out and just yeah. like I want to get my foot in the door however I, Absolutely. I can, but it all, it's And they sucks. use that against you. Right. And they do, yeah. and they do that to everybody. And in, and like, uh, sometimes it's cool people doing it just yes. because it's like the way that <laughs> it is. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> yeah. And the thing that you said before of like, the people are maybe chill, but the system is it's this, Yeah. It's like, again, I don't hate any of the people that I've yeah. like, mentioned. It's just the system that we're all working in and yeah. in my place in it. Yeah. Know? So, and I also think it's important, like, as like, it feels like, uh, you know, my creative peers and shit as we're like aging and and entering the systems of wealth and power and shit to question them and being like, wait, I know I'm so excited <laughs> to finally be like making one dollar, but is this fucked? Yeah. And could this be uh could this be doper? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I would ask myself every time <laughs> every time I do it, could this be doper? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That, that that is like a v- very very helpful. I'm so sorry that your podcast died. I know it's okay. Like honestly, I had so much fun making it. and I learned so, like first of all, I learned that I was able to make a podcast. Like Fuck start yeah, to finish. Yeah, especially very, the style of podcast yeah. that you were making. Like, like I did so much research. So like honestly, ninety well more like seventy percent was like hardcore just research and organizing. Yeah, the content, the, the yeah. thoughts and summarizing them. Yeah, and then the other part was just recording all of it and then editing it and then scoring it which was genuinely re- the whole reason i started in the first place yeah i, I just want to score podcasts <laughs> it, if anybody's listening and you need music for your podcast sarah's so good at it they fucking <laughs> sent me the pilot and it like it was so tight because i feel like the when i talked to you you were like i'm in the middle of this thing and i'm about to score it and i'm thinking about yeah. piano and synths yeah how did it turn out and then you like and then was I got to hear the realize that and I was like oh they did it that's exactly what they did yeah fuck yeah yeah so tight it was so fun yeah. I loved that so much you nailed it it was so, it was it was really like cool to hear you talk about the idea yeah and then to get to hear the like realized thing and like like, a, like two weeks later yeah you know? yeah it was tight yeah what made you want to uh to do something like this just and the music, like I'm. Well, I've always like just loved music and media and creating music for media. Yeah. And previously, that was like TV and film was my main kind of thing. But I've not yeah. to say like I've been there and done that, but I've worked in that a while, and because it, it wasn't all that I thought it would be, or maybe I just wasn't doing it in the way that was really fulfilling. So I think podcasting really captured my my inspiration because it's so like it always feels grassroots, even if it is like a major podcast. Like it mm. always just feels. I don't know the texture maybe maybe it's how yeah. we treat vocals or like how people treat vocals yeah. for podcasts it just always feels very like human and like yes. approachable as a creator yeah. and so for me i was like oh well like if i could make music and i also love listening to podcasts that have like really good kind of sound design and like it's really intentionally structured and thought out yeah. and it's not just a wall of people talking and if don't listen to this if podcast <laughs> i was gonna say i've never listened to this podcast so if that's what it is i love that like genuinely that is no there's there's many great, different but, types of yeah. podcasts but the, the kind of thing that like yeah captured yeah. me was just like a, a kind of a structured thing so yeah basically that's that's why i made yeah. the sylvia plath like i love sylvia plath I've, that's always been like i'm a huge reader love love poetry yeah and all that stuff. so yeah it just kind of was marrying two passions together to see what would happen and I, yeah. I learned a lot about myself and about yeah. how I just really love research I love writing and I love processes of like refinement 
and then like bursts of creativity in there, like the scoring part, and then refining that further, and then like yeah, that's, that's just a big puzzle. You know? Yeah, so. that's fucking sick. You're totally right about a grassroots feeling of podcasts. And I was thinking about this the other day because like when you engage with a podcast, because I think sometimes I benefit from the the anonymity of this podcast of like. <laughs> If you're going to seek out an episode, mm-hmm. you cannot see the play count and you cannot see like it kind of exists on its own. Oh, I love that. When you go to find it. And yeah. it's unlike uh, when you see something on Spotify, you're immediately seeing stats, you're immediately seeing yes. things like compared. Yep. And I, I sometimes I feel like that can do a disservice to your experience of a thing. A thousand percent. Um, and it's like I was like realizing like, oh, yeah, mostly times when I like engage with podcasts, I really have no idea other than like. The, maybe the sponsors they're talking about, yeah. or like you kind of get a vibe of like what, a, like how but Skillshare significant. sponsors everybody, so even that's not a that's not right. a tell anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's 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 interesting to like, if it, it feels very personal. I love yeah. With, now that you based mention on it, the like God, mechanic of yeah. how you find that episode, Absolutely. you know? Yeah, that's like so important. I maybe never it does on Spotify. That. I actually don't know if because I'm realizing now that because i don't listen to podcasts on spotify but i know that they're on there i, I, I do listen, that is my counts. main like podcast listening service and i, yeah, I can't yeah, yeah. i can't remember yeah. i don't think they show you the play count but i right. i think they probably do show you the recommended or like yeah related listening maybe yeah but either way like you're right like i think with music consumption that is so huge and i feel i feel yeah. so like blind to have not noticed it before but like yeah that's different. Like, remember when we... I Shout don't know. out to Alex Pacino, who was a friend of mine. Uh, Is that... Great songwriter, producer yeah. guy, who's Did he, like... Uh, point that out? Thinks a lot about, like... Numbers and visual. <laughs> the visual experience. Yes, and, <laughs> the like, user experience. technology mm-hmm. influencing, like... Yeah. Shit. That's so huge. Yeah, because, like, in the iTunes days, it was, like, sure, there was, like, a chart, but it wasn't, like... You don't see how many streams it had. Like, that's so fucked up. Yeah. Why is that currency now? It's yeah. not even our currency. It's somebody, something far above us. Yeah. <laughs> somebody making huge money on that. It's weird how instant of a reaction I will attribute it to and just immediately assess something's like legitimacy Absolutely. before engaging with the art. Absolutely. Yeah. If you see something as three million plays, you're like, okay, okay. this is going to be, yeah, you're yeah. like, okay, wow, <laughs> but it's probably going to be commercial shit or right. something like that. Right. But yeah. If it yeah, has, yeah. You know, le- like the less than a thousand plays or like, 250 or like i don't yeah. even know what the maybe 2000 plays would be like the minimum that it would show you're like oh this is gonna be lame or like nobody yeah. cares about this right well, who's this obscure how horrible is that yeah. that we're just like oh i hate that how do we change that how do we fix that yeah go to writing, burn spotify writing down <laughs> yeah we gotta bring down know. spotify <laughs> i don't know yeah it feels weird i don't uh anyways i'll i'll stop myself from being too no, that that was amazing. Though. That's that's changed my whole outlook. I'm even more cynical now. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, it's the it's the first step towards a like, what it what could it else? Could Absolutely, it be? yeah. You know? I can't wait for the next revolution of music consumption. <laughs> I really can't wait. Like, yeah. this is this is monstrous. This yeah. is not fun. I'm not having a good time. I'm not having a good time. <laughs> it feels weird to be clamoring for Spotify's attention and also like. And and feels like all my friends I mean, are. It's the perfect cult. It really is. Yeah. Like they hold all the power, and we're we're like looking up to them as if they are gonna help us in some way. But we're the ones yeah. serving them. Right. But exactly. We don't acknowledge the fact that we are serving. You know, it's just like, yes. And they want us to think that it's just fucked up. Yes, and I think it's like. I think there's yeah. Hmm. 
I'm getting a little like stuck in my ways of describing it, but it does feel like there is a, it does feel like going back to Galway, that there was like an inherent value to like, uh, just being a person that made shit and like, um, that that is not necessarily true in like in the rest of the world or in just different parts of the world. And that there is like a societal framework in place for like how art is valued and like who profits off of it and stuff like that. And it's just like, Oh, it doesn't have to be like this. And it's weird that you're paying all your employees so much and you're not paying me and my friends and please pay me and my friends, please. <laughs> like genuinely, like it's so it's sickening. The, the minute you start to really think about how it's rigged. Yeah. It's just like, what what dystopian novel is this? It's and I'm, life. I'm life eager. In America. Yeah. 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 I, I'm eager to know more clearly about how to articulate that that yes. anguish. Um, let's write songs about it and publish them on Spotify <laughs> that's right I mean this podcast is we'll, we'll, maybe someone's listening to it on Spotify right now yeah. um, I mean I, I pay $10 a month for Spotify which is ridiculous. ridiculous it's weird shit <laughs> I want to know about your love of Sylvia Plath um, yeah, I, I'd say that was definitely a pandemic hobby that, or a yeah. pandemic uh, romance that happened for me um, I'd read The Bell Jar once when I was early teens I was like forced to read it, like for a like an assignment or whatever. Yeah, it was like reading a list of banned books, and that was one of them. And I hated it. It made me feel Whoa. like physically ill. Whoa, I did not like it. Interesting. I don't think I'd ever really been depressed at that point in my life, so I just don't think I had any way to relate to the book. I think I was just far too young, basically. Whoa. And so didn't think really anything of Sylvia Plath other yeah. than the fact that I didn't like that book until I reread The Bell Jar at the age of, you know, 24, 25 at the beginning of the pandemic. And I was like, this is the best book I've ever read. Hell yeah. And it was just like so eye-opening. So I started reading like everything else she'd ever written. Right. And I just started low-key collecting like any book about her or from her that I could get my hands on. And suddenly yeah. I just had like a huge stack of Sylvia Plath related words. And I was like, I need to do something with this. And so then I started, yeah. I started a poetry cast which I never published anywhere, which was just me reading a poem uh, and scoring it, of course. <laughs> this is a separate podcast. Separate podcast. Then the Plath the, Club. Yes, this was like the pre- prelude to the became Plath Club. And Hell I've been yeah. telling uh, my friends at the time, like, I'm going to start a podcast about Sylvia Plath. And they were all like, yeah, do it. But I was like, I have no idea what that looks like. It's too overwhelming. Like, there's just too many options, like too many ways to go about it. Yeah. And so, yeah, one day it kind of clicked that I was like, oh, I'll just... Because I have her journals and I have the letters she sent home and I have her short stories collections. I have her poem collections. I have yeah. her novels that she published. Um, I, I was like, I could just do a tasting of each of those and break it down by year. Because it's like, well, she yeah. was a hugely prolific writer, was constantly writing, yeah. which I really identified to. I, I don't know. like I, I know there's like a million different. I, I have every type of creative person out there is their own type of creative person. Right. But I feel like there are certain kinds that are just like constant output and I've always identified with that but I haven't necessarily been surrounded by people who identify with that so I'm right I always felt like well am I doing something wrong (laughs) or so yeah to basically find out that this very influential historical writer was also just very prolific um it was really inspiring to just to just dive in yeah so that's that's it that's sick yeah what does like your portrait of her and her like having the intimate detail like of her work like what do you like about Sylvia Plath 
And um, what is like knowing yeah. about all about her life? Yes, totally. I, I like. think there's something about her writing that just always captivates me. It's like mm. I love she has a, a book of short stories called Johnny Panic and the Bible of Dreams. And I think that's what? <laughs> and it's it's uh, named for one of the stories in it, which is one of my favorite. Oh, it's hard to pick a favorite because they're all just like this beautiful. Like she's a very visual writer, very human writer. Mm. Um, it's like she uses this approach of almost oversimplifying certain like it's like it's like this really intricate, simplified way of writing, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. No, but I it, feel you. It's like she just spent so so long just finding her voice. No, or like without knowing that she actually had a very distinct voice from basically the beginning. Yeah. And so basically, every time I read her work, I'm just always transported somewhere just so magical. Even yeah. if it's an incredibly dark place, I'm still mm. like, wow, that moved me. Yeah. And I, I think that's what I always look for when I'm consuming media. Yeah. And so the fact that it was like one person that just so consistently for me hits the nail on the head. Yeah. I'm like, of course, I'm going to be obsessed with their work and just, you know, dive in as much as I can. Yeah. That's fucking sick. Yeah. This leads me to my, uh, one of my final questions for you, which is, uh, what you've been fucking with recently. What have I been fucking with? Myself. Yeah. <laughs> my, my mind. <laughs> yeah. God. Well, I've been in the last two days hardcore researching the world's top theremin players. What? Um, and it's, I have a theremin, a mini Moog. I'm sick. A theremini from Moog and it's inspired me to probably get that thing out and start Damn. making horrible sounds that and I don't even fully understand theremin I really only know it in reference like I really only can think of like okay I know Jimmy Page play one sometimes on stage and I've seen I feel like I just know very loosely about like it's frequencies and you can shape them with your damn hand yeah it's and it magic. make crazy sound mm -hmm. yeah that yeah. is magic so yeah, I guess I don't know. I'm always fucking with other any kind of sound. Yeah, I'm always looking for sounds. Who are the top theremin players? Um, so we've got Carolina. Oh god, I'm gonna pronounce all their names wrong because I've just been reading them. No, and of course. I'm, I'm writing a, a an article about them. I'm not. This isn't just like that's sick. Although to be honest, I, pro I probably would go down a rabbit hole like this, like without being paid to do so. But so Carolina Ike or Ike, it's E Y C K. Mm. Um, she's a German Berlin-based, uh, insane like. The coolest person. She developed her the, their her own style of playing the theremin when she was 16 years old. Well, she wrote the book on playing the theremin that was damn. published in like 2005. It like changed the way the theremin was played globally. Oh, uh, and she's like huge on TikTok. So like damn. way to like change the world and then also still be relevant. Like yeah. to Gen Z. Like wow. Um, who Fuck else? Yeah. We have Dorit Chrysler. Um, she's been around a bit longer. Has done all kinds of cool theremin stuff. Trying to think of what she was really like well known for. Oh, she collaborated with Moog on the hundred year anniversary of the Thurman. Thurman's been around for a hundred years. Yeah, it was what? It was first kind of invented in nineteen nineteen. What? And it was patented in nineteen twenty eight. Damn, that's like pre bass guitar by Leon Thurman. Yeah, yeah. And so, so for the hundredth anniversary, Moog was like, "Hey, uh, Dorit, can you do a do a cool Thurman thing?" <laughs> so she goes to the CERN. C-E-R-N. I don't even, like, it's an acronym, but it's for some French. <laughs> it's like the nuclear research lab of Europe or whatever. Uh, so it's this huge, huge testing facility that goes, like, 30-plus stories underground. Whoa. Huge space. So they go in there. They record this haunting theremin-centric piece. They film a whole video down there. 
Wow. Super cool. Highly recommend checking it out if you're into theremin or really big, yeah. big spaces. Do you want to go there for the, the, the size of the space? I think so. Yeah. Like that was the gist I was getting from reading about it. I was really yeah. struggling to like comprehend like because they were really talking about like all of the like nuclear stuff that happens there and like the test. I was like, how yeah. is, like what? Is like, nuclear I, making my theremin sound cool? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, like, it's like they study atoms and, and how they like interact in certain spaces and like yeah like, i don't even know Whoa. like it's beyond me but i mean it sounds cool yeah um yeah. god who else there was i'm forgetting his name but he's a uh, another well-known theremin player who is known for he played on the loki uh score which Nat- natalie holtz scored i love her work and she did an incredible job scoring loki the new new ish disney plus series just renewed for a second season coming summer of 2023 hell yeah um and so yeah he played theremin on that and it was really cool and then the last theremin player is uh, the last ever theremin the final player. theremin player. Starts with an H. She's Icelandic. And I'm definitely going to say her name wrong. It's like Helka or something. Mm-hmm. Hekla. Hekla? Yeah. So she's, uh, I'd say, younger, but super, you know, yeah. experienced, incredible virtuoso player. And does more ambient kind of stuff. Her it was really interesting listening to her work compared to the other kind of more well established technical theremin players. She uses her voice a lot and loops her theremin live for this almost like ambient. It's like really ambient vibes, which if you know what a theremin sounds like, they're kind of a, they can be very abrasive, mm. especially I think when they're played the way they're stereotyped to be played as like a lead kind of jarring eerie sound. yeah exactly thank you <laughs> thank that. you put me on the list yeah <laughs> i'm and... number four now <laughs> 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 um yeah and so I, I loved hearing this like so clearly she's mastered the technical set she comes from a classical cellist background word found the theremin was captivated by its otherworldliness yeah which is a word i found out hell yeah <laughs> And yeah, and now makes this incredible like ambient shit. She has a new album dropping in September on Phantom Limb Records out of Whoa. Brighton. So stay tuned for that, Theremin Damn. lovers. <laughs> yes. This is this is exactly uh This is what you're here for. Dope ass shit to, yeah. to for me to check out and for other people to check out. Very, very sick. Yeah. I have two more questions for you, Sarah. I thought that was the last one. No, I lied. Right, I'm ready. Do you like anime? I don't dislike anime. But I don't actively watch it. I watched Ranma as a kid. What's that? Did you watch Ranma? I don't even know no if it is an anime, is. but it is an animated like Japanese series. It's about this person that was male when they or like they were either, either male or female one way and then they'd get water poured on them and they would turn to the other gender. Interesting. And that was like the whole premise of the show was them like going through situations where people would like pour water on them and suddenly they would be like the other gender. Whoa. Possibly hugely informative of my uh, kind of views on gender as mm. an adult. <laughs> but yeah. now, now that I think about it, <laughs> why do you sick. ask? Are you into anime? Unfortunately, there's no more time to, <laughs> for this segment. Uh, this segment is just me asking someone, do they like anime? Oh, okay. Gotcha. And now where can people find your stuff? You got this music journalism in Composer Magazine. Yeah. You got your your own albums. You've mm-hmm. got... Please please tell people where they can find your stuff if you want them you know, to find it. I'm kind of like an essence that just sort of exists in a lot of corners of the world and the internet specifically. So the kind of best place to get a taste is my Instagram. I think that's the most up upkept kind of place. And yeah, so that's just at Wim Music. W-H-I-M Music. So... Um, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. listen to the albums! 
I'm looking forward to reading uh, some of the things you've written. I haven't I haven't gotten to check them out yet. I'm excited. I'm inspired based off of just uh, the enthusiasm and the insight that yeah, you have. Likewise, which so is very inspiring. exciting. Thank you for making time for this. Thanks for having me. I appreciate me. it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here. No, thank you. But Bye. I forgot. I normally start like this, so I'll end like this, and it'll be weird because it'll be the end. <laughs> Sarah.